Now, throughout history, there have been loads of famous um, children's book characters, TV characters, double acts on the TV that have acted as great friends. And so I thought I'd start off by just testing your general knowledge on famous friends and double acts, okay? So this is what's going to happen. I'm going to shout out one part of a double act, and you're going to shout out or type in the comments if you're at home who you think the other half of the double act best pairing is, okay? So let's just try one, an easy peasy one to begin with. If I said Minnie Mouse, what would you shout out? Now that was pathetic. There might not be a full church. There's quite a lot of you here though, so it needs to be a bit louder so the people at home can hear that you've got the right answer, okay? Let's try that again. So if I said Minnie Mouse, what are you going to shout out? Minnie yes, okay, right, let's get going. SpongeBob. Let's try this again. SpongeBob. Patrick. He's not best friends with square pants. Oh dear, I think this is going to be a long one. Right. If I said Jess the cat, Postman Pat, Mikey Powell's on it. He's obviously been watching a lot of children's TV during lockdown, clearly. Okay, if I said Ant, you'd say Deck. Fabulous. If I said Barry Chuckle, you'd say Paul Chuckle. Right, this is for those of you who are into your comedy double acts. Think really carefully. If I said Stan Laurel, who would you say? Very good. Okay, and last one. If I said J.R. Tolkien, who would you say? C.S. Lewis. And I didn't know this. Apparently, it's a common known fact they were best friends, even though they began life as rivals at Oxford University. So, if you learned anything today, there you go. That's what you've learned. Job done. I can go home. In all seriousness, now, friendships come in all shapes and sizes. Some friendships last for a short period of time, maybe just a couple of weeks, maybe just a year or two. Other friendships last a whole season of our lives. My mum has got a friend who she met at college, and for the last 25 years, they've been exchanging letters and gifts at Christmas, even though this friend has now moved to Australia. So some friendships can last and can travel through a lifetime. And today we're going to have a little look at Jesus' friendship with Mary, Martha and Lazarus. So we're going to start off by reading the Bible passage together, but this is from John chapter 11, and it is 44 verses long. Now clearly if I stood here and read all the 44 verses, my 15 minutes would be up. Some of you would have fallen to sleep, others of you would have probably scrolled through your Facebook or whatever. So we're not going to read the whole thing, we're just going to take the first part, because there's so much that we can learn about this relationship from just a few verses. So I'm hoping it's going to appear on the screen. Um, if not, then you can read along with whatever Bible you've got with you. So, now, a man named Lazarus was sick. He was from Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. This Mary, whose brother was Lazarus, now lay sick, was the same one who poured perfume on the Lord and wiped his feet with her hair. So the sisters sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is sick. When he heard this, Jesus said, this sickness will not end in death, no, for it's God's glory so that God's son may be glorified through it. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was sick, 
He stayed there two more days and then said to his disciples, let's go back to Judea. And because I don't want to leave you on a cliffhanger, I'm just going to summarize what happens in the end of the story. The remainder of the chapter says that Jesus then, there and then, Lazarus is raised from the dead. No need to wait for the resurrection day. And as I read through this passage, in my mind, thinking, how does this show us that God is friend? I really came to quite a few fresh revelations looking through those glasses. And that's what I'm going to share with you a little bit of today. So firstly, Jesus longs to have an individual friendship with us. And I think this message is specifically Mary's family, Martha's family. He uses their individual names to show that each and every one of them, all three of them, had a unique, meaningful friendship and relationship with him. And this story actually is only written in John's Gospel, and John was the disciple whom Jesus loved. And I think that's no accident here, because he says that he loved Martha, he loved Mary, and he loved Lazarus. He's almost saying, I have this amazing relationship with being the one that Jesus loved, but what you don't realize is, is that Jesus loved Mary, he loved Martha, he loved Lazarus. He almost put them on a, on a, on a coming up to the same playing level here. He's saying how much he loved them as individuals. And that's just kind of quite important because each, all three of them were quite different. When Jesus went to visit the, fem- the family home, we've got Martha pouring a bottle of oil all over his feet, worth a year's worth of um, wages, wiping his feet with her hair. And then we've got, sorry, that was Mary, and then we've got Martha going around doing the housework. Yet he valued them just the same. He loved their different personalities, their different backstories. He valued and he loved them just the same. So let this be a reminder to you today that Jesus loves you as an individual, just the way that you are. Whether you're young or old, tall or short, busy or living a slower pace of life, employed, unemployed, retired, a stay-at-home mum or somewhere in between, he loves you just the way that you are. And he wants a unique relationship with you because he values you as an individual. Now, there are some children here today that might see their mums and their dads or their grandparents or people in this church worshipping God, reading the Bible, praying. And you might think, oh, it's okay. I don't have to do that because mum does that bit for me or dad does that bit for me. But actually, Jesus wants a unique relationship with you. He's already got one with your parents, but he wants one with you. He wants to pursue a friendship with you. And that's a message for some adults here today. You might see people up here um, displaying their, their relationship and their friendship with Jesus, but he wants that for you. And what that will look like for everybody is completely different. And that's perfectly fine as well. Just like your friendship with your friends is different to perhaps friendships that you have with other friends. So our children today are going to be making some friendship bracelets to symbolize that God longs to be their friend. And my prayer is that as they wear those bracelets, that they'll be reminded that in all circumstances in their life, they have got a friend that uh, is walking through life with them. So I'm going to see that some children have already gone off to make one. If you'd like to go and get one, there's loads of beads and things there. If you want a COVID safe pack, then we've got some that you can take back to do in your seats. And perhaps if you're at home, you can go to the cupboard, get some pasta shapes out, get a bit of string, put them on a a bit of string, wrap them around your, um, your wrist to show that you've made a friendship bracelet. 
And adults, as part of that thing where Jesus wants an individual friendship with you, we've got to be very careful not to compare ourselves to others. And I think some of you need to be reminded of that. Coming back into church, it's easy to see people, to assume things. But Jesus wants to pursue a unique relationship with you. So some of you might need to go home and pray about that and just sit before the Lord and ask him, what is it you want of me at the moment? And the second thing that I think is a message to all of us that I think is really timely is that Jesus wants to be our friend through the good times and the bad. Now, because Jesus had such a close relationship with Mary and Martha and Lazarus, it was natural that when Lazarus was sick that they told Jesus. And the sisters expected that if their friend could miraculously heal strangers or or bring miraculous happenings onto people that he, in their opinion, didn't know, then surely they would meet the need, he would meet the needs of a close friend. At no point in this account does it say that Mary and Martha specifically asked Jesus to go and heal Lazarus. Probably because they felt they didn't need to. It was simply enough to tell Jesus what the problem was and allow him to deal with it. And later we learn they are, they are really sad that, they, that he's died and they say, you know, Jesus, if you were here, this wouldn't have happened. And sometimes we encounter challenges but we don't really know what the answer is. But one of the first things I do is I tell my friends. I say, well, what should I do in this situation? Maybe we're anxious about moving school, going back to work, the restrictions being released. And the first thing we do is we talk to people. And Jesus wants us to make him the first person that we talk to. Just like Mary and Martha said, straight away, we need to go and tell Jesus. He wants us to make him the first person that we talk to. He doesn't just want to be our friend in the good times. Sometimes it can be quite easy to think that because we follow Jesus, we have to be grateful and happy all the time. And when troubled times we come, we force ourselves to look on the bright side of life, proclaiming that everything will be okay because in the end, God will bring his glory. But in this story, we see that Jesus wants us to be real with him. He wants us to acknowledge that sometimes life is hard and he wants us to tell us that sometimes life is hard. And he gives us permission for us to say sometimes life circumstances for me are hard and I don't know what to do. We see here that when Jesus first heard that Lazarus was sick, he did not get up and straight away go to Judah. In verse 5 it says, Knowing that Lazarus was dead, Jesus then stayed for two more days before going to raise Lazarus. In one commentary explains how that a time of mourning, you know, is quite important to Jews. And Jesus almost prolonged the sorrow of Mary and Martha, allowing them to have time to grieve and mourn. He didn't want them to rush those feelings, to rush that moment of grief. He actually gave them permission them permission to experience that. Now, I'm quite a a positive person, as most of you uh, probably know, but one thing God has said to me over the last couple of years is that when I encounter difficulties in my life, God actually gives me permission to embrace that sadness, to embrace that mourning, frustration, 
and all the other negative emotions that might come with some of the circumstances that we find ourselves in. And actually, it's important that we do that. It's a natural, a human thing to experience those emotions when we go through times of difficulty and times of trouble and challenge. And for me, as I come to the end of my maternity leave, I've been reflecting on how, in many ways, I, feel, I felt quite robbed. Robbed of the joy of preparing for a baby because that was overcome with anxiety and fear in the context of a global pandemic. Robbed of being able to go to baby classes, being able to spend lots of time with our extended family and um, play dates and coffee dates and all the things that you long to do as you wait to have a child and prepare to spend that first precious year of their life with them. And the one thing that I felt that God has to, said to me is that, Alice, you have permission to feel that way. And this is quite different to me because a year ago, I would have said, no, you just need to think about all the positives that come out of the situation and everything that has come. But actually, it's okay to acknowledge that sometimes life is hard and it doesn't work out how you expect it to be. And I think the most important thing is, is that, yes, life is hard, but as your friend, Jesus wants to stand beside you in that. He's not going to run ahead of you when you're not ready to run into the positivity. If you need him to stand with you in the ditch of despair, that is where he will stand with you. If you need him to take that first step forward with you, that is what he will do. He doesn't want to run ahead up the mountain without you. He wants to stand right with you wherever you are. Now, I spent a long time wondering how to conclude this talk. Because like I said, I'm quite a positive person, so I like to end on a positive note. And then I just left it alone. I scrolled through social media like you do when you get a bit distracted. And I stumbled across this proverb that Nikki Gumbel shared. And I felt it was entirely appropriate to finish on this note. So this is Proverbs 18, verse 24. One who has unreliable friends soon comes to ruin. But there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. And his name is Jesus. So I wonder, as I've um, just shared some thoughts about how Jesus wants to remind us that he is a friend for life, he has stood beside us in all that we do, that we might just take a moment to reflect on that as the band come to lead us in worship. And some of you might want to stand, so you want to sit, you might want to kneel. But I just felt that in this last year, we've been sat in our homes watching church, maybe some weeks not watching church, and for many of us who've not had an opportunity to just stand before God and acknowledge where we're at with him. Some of us might be on a mountaintop, but some of us might be, as I've described, in a deep ditch, just needing to know that he's stood there with us and that he's not calling us out straight away. He just wants to be there beside us. So, yeah, I'm just going to pray and let the band lead us um, in worship and I just pray that as you go from this week that you would spend time reflecting with God. Lord, I just thank you that we have seen through the story of Mary, Martha and Lazarus that you are not just a friend who wants to celebrate the good times with us. 
You are a friend that wants to be called upon in the tough times. You are a friend that wants to stand with us in the ditch of despair. You are a friend that wants to hold our hands, whether we're on the top of a mountain or whether we're just about to start climbing it. And whether it's hope, healing, restoration of friendships, relationships, family needs, you are the one that wants to stand there and walk with us in it. So I pray that you just come now by the power of your Holy Spirit in our homes, in this meeting place, in the car, wherever we are tuned in this morning, and you would just reveal something of your longing to be in close friendship with us.